0: Hello, everyone. My name is Illumide.
1: And my name is Christy.
0: And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast.
1: You can't build a career purely on lesbian thirst.
0: So, Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode?
1: Not very much. Living the same <laughs> struggle. <laughs> I did my taxes. Now, this is like the most notable thing that happened during my week. I'm glad to have them behind me, but annoyingly, I'm in a job where they won't take out taxes because of just like a stupid way that I'm paid. Um, so, did you know oh, that- you have to
0: pay quarterly.
1: Well, I didn't know this. <laughs> Apparently, you can you get an underpayment penalty if you don't pay them. Yes. Yep. Yes. Learned, learned that one the hard way. <laughs> Are you serious? I didn't know you could just up and send money to them.
0: <laughs> You're supposed to. You're supposed I- to do the federal and the state every quarter. And you're supposed to send it at all the quarter deadlines because if you miss a deadline and you don't do it, at the end of the year, you get up. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) Well, listeners, (laughs) learn from my mistake. I didn't know you could just send them money. Like, I thought you interacted with the IRS at tax time and otherwise, like, I didn't know. Anyways, yeah, so that was a bummer.
0: I'm so sorry. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. Even if you start that contractor work at the middle of the year, so say for instance, the first two quarters where you're supposed to pay quarterly taxes, if you miss those two and you just start that independent contractor work in the middle, the IRS still views the amount that you make and says you should have been paying quarterly taxes the whole year, even if you only started that job or contract work in the middle of the year. So at the end, when they calculate the taxes if you ha- which obviously you couldn't have been paying quarterly taxes the first two cuz you just <laughs> weren't doing this job then you still get a penalty if the numbers don't add up and it's not easy to fight them and like explain how things worked what it's what they're likely to do is what they'll tell you to do is just pay the taxes for that tier whatever penalty you get and then call them back the following year and try to apply the overage to your taxes the year after that Oh, my God. And honestly, even doing that is not easy. So, yeah, this is why they should teach us about taxes in school. Stuff like this is why they should teach us about taxes in school.
1: Seriously. Oh, oh, this would have been so helpful to know.
0: I'm sorry. Sorry. (laughs) No,
1: (laughs) Ah. I've just, I've always been a W-2 employee, but this year they didn't give it. I'm not even a 1099. They literally gave me a piece of paper that was like, we paid you this much money. Figure it out.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yep. Honestly, it's, 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 it's a sham. The whole thing is 100% sham. Like, it's not.
1: I also had to file four different state tax returns.
0: Why? Just because
1: we moved, we moved last year and I got paid literally one paycheck in Massachusetts. We lived in Connecticut and we lived no. in Virginia. I worked in DC. We owed, we owed Massachusetts $11. <laughs> we still had to file the max. We have
0: pay TurboTax to file the
1: stupid Massachusetts return. Oh, what a scam!
0: <laughs> yeah, the TurboTax thing is just a fucking scam too. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. These are the things that I swear they don't teach you this stuff in school. If you work for a company that's not registered in the place that you live. Trying to reconcile the taxes for the employer and the employee, a fucking mess. And if for whatever reason you then move, that complicates it even further. And by the way, the Comptroller of the State, that $11, they're not fucking with you. They'll be at your door looking for that $11. And if you don't pay that $11, the penalty they'll slap on that. It literally, that penalty compounds. So...
1: <laughs> Literally be like, you can't get medical care until you pay the state of Massachusetts $11. <laughs> Look <at>
0: exactly. <laughs> the $11. They'll get you. And TurboTax is waiting on you at the dub because TurboTax will say, well, you have a complicated tax. It's not just a W 2. <laughs> so TurboTax will force you to get the deluxe edition to file, or even the one that's above the deluxe edition. And you then have to pay something like between 40 and like $200 to a file, just so they can get that $11. <laughs> the, the 11 <laughs> it, Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm glad that's behind you.
1: Yes. <laughs> I've, I've learned some valuable lessons that I can ignore <laughs> until next year. So I've also been watching the TV show Hannibal, which I had heard lots of good things about. So it's about Hannibal Lecter, who most people know from Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs, and the TV show Hannibal. So there was a movie, Red Dragon, which is a prequel to Silence of the Lambs, and this show takes place before Red Dragon and is about Hannibal before he was caught and Will Graham who's an FBI investigator. Um he's a main character in Red Dragon too and their sort of relationship. And the acting is fantastic. There mm. are so many good actors in this show. Mads Mikkelsen is Hannibal, Hugh Dancy is Will Graham, Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Amazing. Gillian Anderson from The X-Files. Amazing. And Oh it's a very good thing that the acting is fantastic because the writing is not fantastic. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> how do they manage that?
1: I don't know. It's just, they do, it's like so many bad writing tropes where they'll just like say something in a way where it's like no human speaks like that. I've or they'll that just completely <laughs> overexplain things. Just bizarre. And, but like <laughs> these actors, like they deserve a round of applause because they're selling it. They're selling it, but when you actually wow. like listen to the words, you're like.
0: What? Two things you said that I didn't know. You know, first of all, I have never seen Silence of the Lambs. I think that's really? like a gory movie. I don't know if it's quite thriller. Is it thriller or horror?
1: It's. I would actually call it more of a thriller. It's not. It's not as gory as you would think. There's a few moments, but it's. It. I. I definitely call it more of a thriller.
0: Okay. Because I've never seen Silence of the Lambs. All the stuff that you were saying, I didn't know H- Hannibal was a character from Silence of the Lambs. And I also didn't know mm. about the movie Red Dragon, which apparently is the prequel. To, I didn't know any of this. So I think I just don't have the range here. But I'm very <laughs> happy because I know that the, <laughs> the TV show Hannibal, I remember seeing clips of it and it was like a huge rave when it came out. So I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that the acting is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's, I mean, it's a creative show. I'm also worried about the writers because like the insane serial killer (laughs) scenarios they come up with are like I've watched crime shows my whole (laughs) life and I'm like what (laughs) where did these people think of this terrifying
0: maybe they know something we don't they're
1: just brainstorming at a writer's table like what if they made a totem pole out of dead human bodies (laughs) it's like great idea
0: (laughs) what the fuck
1: (laughs) but my favorite thing about silence of the lambs though I mean Anthony Hopkins is like known for that performance um he won the Academy Award for Best Actor, even though he was only in 16 minutes of the movie. <laughs> really? Yes, he was just that good. So what have you been up to?
0: So this whole week, I I was craving action movies. So I saw the new Mortal Kombat movie, which, as you could predict, has very little range. But, <laughs> yeah. and also, the acting is maybe a C-minus at <laughs> best. At best. The dialogue is that comic you know not even comic book is that video game dialogue that's so clunky like they'll try to fit the phrases in there like scorpion saying get over here i i I got what i went for they had some decent action sequences and the fight scenes are great all the characters that you remember from mortal kombat a lot of them are there um yeah and the graphics are they're better than average so i i will give that movie like a. it's still worth a watch i wouldn't completely tank the whole thing it's not bad I also saw this movie called Nobody. And
1: oh, yeah. This I've movie seen this.
0: comes. Did you? Have I, you seen No, I haven't, these, these,
1: I haven't seen the movie. I've I'd, seen it advertised.
0: I oh. saw the, the trailer for the movie, and then I realized that it was produced by the people who also produced John Wick. And it's in a very similar format. And I was like, I'm not going to hate this movie. And I didn't hate the movie. It was good. I still think John Wick hmm. has more range in it. But I do like this movie. And the action sequences are believable. Hand-to-hand combat, similar to John Wick. It's good. If you want an action movie, it does what it does. The third thing I watched is this movie called Vanquish. I think it's Vanquish, not Vanquish. Mama, this is garbage. This is fucking garbage. I don't even, like i don't even think i should even put a spoiler alert because i feel like i should spoil it and let people know they should not watch it (laughs) and the reason why i chose to watch this movie is because they somehow managed to rope morgan freeman into this movie and you know when morgan freeman acts he brings the range now i hate the thing that movies do where they pit a really well-seasoned veteran actor and they pit them against someone who is not even a trained actor (laughs) and the person who's not a trained actor doesn't even make an attempt to reach the level to be believable playing opposite that veteran well-seasoned actor. Like yeah. they put Ruby Rose, Ruby fucking Rose oh, against no. like opposite Morgan Freeman. Oh, no. And I, she didn't even try. She didn't even fucking try. And I've seen her in like a couple, I think she's been in a couple of things and I would assume like, okay, if she's been in Hollywood for a certain number of years, She's not a trained actor to begin with. I think she started off as, like, a, a model. And she had, like, that chic, edgy, lesbian vibe. <laughs> Don't at me on Twitter thinking that I'm being problematic for calling her chic lesbian. But, like, that's pretty much her vibe. I'm not okay. lying. I can't no. say it any other way. I thought over the course of the years, she would have gone to get some acting training. She would have really learned how to deliver dialogue in a way that's not clunky. No. No. Absolutely not. And... The plot of the movie also doesn't exist, which doesn't help. It's pretty much Morgan Freeman is like a police hero. I, look, I'm not even going to put a spoiler alert. This is what this movie is. If you <laughs> Go ahead. Let me just spoil it for you. He plays this cop who is like a very respected cop who, for whatever reason, is now like a corrupt cop. And he pretty much runs like the corrupt police officers like a mob. But he's on wheelchair and he's confined to this house. And the only person who's in his life who you know, has some form of working emotional relationship with him is Ruby Rose's character. And Ruby Rose's character conveniently has a daughter who has some chronic illness. So get this, Morgan Freeman blackmails her to do his dirty bidding and she does the dirty bidding and she just goes around riding a motorcycle, shooting people. retrieving packages of money and the entire time she just looks so stiff and pained morgan freeman as usual he played it very well he did a good job but ruby rose come on girl get some acting lessons this is not it
1: you can't build a career purely on lesbian thirst
0: (laughs) so the last thing that i saw which i wouldn't say this is garbage yet i would put it in the camp territory this movie is called jacob's wife and it's jacob with a k it's your standard vampire movie with overacting again this is what i mean by like it's camp the overacting was overacting when i say overacting (laughs) this is akin to rupaul's drag race overacting it was a lot and you know they have the distorted voices for like the the people who have been turned to a vampire. And the one trope that I fucking hate in vampire movies, you know how in every fucking vampire movie, the person who gets converted into a vampire automatically inherits a sense of style and some bad attitude? It's like... (laughs) 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 They get bitten by a vampire and all of a sudden they have short hair, they have black eyeliner, red lipstick... (laughs) skin-tight clothes, high heels. I'm like, okay. Just because you got bitten by a fucking vampire does not mean you went to a fucking fashion school.
1: There should be vampires walking around in, like, khakis.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that like would be shorts. more believable. Because, like, I think what they try to do is they try to put the character development and make it, like, a makeover. But mm-hmm. a makeover is not character development. Right. I would actually challenge the writers to leave the the characters in their original style and mm-hmm. do a lot more work to make that character like that put the actor to work the actor is there for that reason mm-hmm. make them show the fucking range without just putting some red lipstick on them like yeah <laughs> It's, a, it's an okay movie. I think I would put it in the camp territory. I needed some trash movies to watch this week, and I got four <laughs> of them, and that was great. So, on today's episode, we'll be discussing 90s technology. Okay, so the 90s were wild AF. Just completely wild. The whole 90s from start to end. In fact, some of the wildness bled into the early 2000s because for whatever reason, the creativity in the 90s was completely unbridled. Like people would literally have an idea to create some type of technology and nobody would actually question how useful it was. They would just end up making the thing. And the fallout from that is we just ended up with a ton of gadgets that were short-lived so (laughs) short-lived
1: yeah it was like a perfect storm of things got like technologically advanced enough but also cheap and like mainstream enough that people just went for it like is this a market niche i don't know (laughs) all of this is brand new just do it
0: (laughs) for example we had walkmans and discmans let me tell you something because first of all for those of you i feel like we have to describe what these are for those of you who didn't live through the 90s and are not familiar with walkmans and discmans walkmans and discmans were just pretty much portable music players but the formats of how the music was played was different walkmans played cassette audio cassettes which if you don't know what audio cassette is look it up you will be amazed that this is how we used to listen to music and the discmans used compact discs cds now the reason why this is so impractical is because walkmans i remember you needed some form of battery usually double a batteries (laughs) And you needed a shitload of patience. You needed so much patience for this to make any sense. Because you couldn't skip to the next or the previous song. Because you had to wind through a stretch of tape to get there. And everything was in one continuous loop. So what would happen is you'd be listening to a really fire album. The battery in the thing would just run out. It's a A battery. You can't just plug it into a wall and let it charge. You would literally have to take the battery out of the Walkman, go to the store, get some more batteries and put it in if you didn't have batteries at home. What we used to do as kids is we would go around the house looking for all the other remotes of TVs yeah. and stuff. And we'd take, the, we'd take the batteries out of those and put it in the Walkman just to finish listening to that album. And then we'd go to the store and like get more batteries. It was it it was so unsustainable. You had to keep throwing away batteries or buying new batteries and throwing them away when they got dead and buying new and they eventually developed they developed rechargeable batteries and you'd have mm-hmm. to put them in the stack to plug them in to charge them again. Also, also, so I grew up in Nigeria, right? Look, we were poor, we couldn't afford the tapes. We would put the radio on and wait for a DJ to play a song that we liked. We'd literally be sitting there, or we would call into the radio station, request the DJ to play it, and then as soon as the DJ played, it, we'd put a cassette tape into the tape recorder and hit record as soon as the, guy, the DJ started playing the song. And that's how we actually recorded the song on t- tape so we can listen to them later. That was a mess. <laughs> then the compact discs, which I just vaguely went over, were so fragile. The Discmans that played them, they also used batteries and they were supposed to be portable, but the moment you picked up the Discman or shook it, the thing would skip. You couldn't listen to continuous <laughs> music. You'd have to literally sit in one position and listen, which defeats the whole purpose about the Discman being portable. And even they tried to develop a thing called anti-shock that was supposed to let you be able to pick up the discman and walk around with it it didn't do shit. it did not do anything (laughs) i remember listening to like a whole bunch of early sade albums that's how i used to listen to them and oh should i explain the technology behind it
1: if you know it i don't know
0: (laughs) oh so okay compact discs back then they're pretty much a free a really flat frisbee that is made of plastic very similar to vinyls, but the CDs were made of polycarbonate. And the polycarbonate pretty much had grooves that were etched into the polycarbonate. But if you know anything about plastics, vinyl is more durable than polycarbonate. So it was like maybe five or six stacks of polycarbonate and the grooves would have different depths. So what would happen is if for whatever reason you ended up scratching the polycarbonate, say for instance, you ran a pen over it or you dropped it on the floor, as long as there was a scratch in that polycarbonate, and also because there were several stacks of polycarbonate in there, if the edges of that disc wasn't sealed properly, and you dropped it in, I don't know, water, it would start separating the layers of the polycarbonate. And that city was (laughs) toast. Literally, any small, if you left it out in the sun too long, toast. Those things were so impractical.
1: I had a disc man and it was so big, but it was port like it was considered portable. I remember taking it on the bus and on field trips and you'd be on the bus and the bus would go over a bump and the C D would skip. <laughs> and if you got a scratch on it, it like that pain. was it. That was it. Like That song would always skip in that place. That was just your version of that CD now. But I do have some nostalgia for CDs, even though they were so annoying. (laughs) But for the like big books of CDs, people would have like a, it was like a photo album, except you'd slide the CDs in it. So I know we'd have one like in the car to, to like pick the CDs to listen to. And I also had a lot of fun burning CDs for people, making people playlists and you could like draw on the CD. Like I still have like three CDs in my car, I guess just in case i'm like stranded somewhere and want to listen to music <laughs> except i don't even own any cds it's like one random red hot chili pepper cd that i got for probably some like sixth grade present
0: I'm, I'm really rocking my brain right now i don't think there's a single cd that i own still and the player in the car doesn't even accept cds uh, <laughs> yeah that's true really? remember back then we used to have um disc changers in the car First of all, mm. cars that weren't so fancy could only take one CD at a time. Oh, by the way, there's a Frank Ocean song about this, like when he was talking about his family's car back in when he was growing up. Kept at least six discs and a but back then, what you would do is if you were going on a long trip, there were two ways to load them. Either you could load the CD directly into the console with the six discs, or you would have to go to the trunk of the car, load the six discs in the trunk, and then have to control it from the console. I it just it, it was wild. It was a wild time to be alive. But yeah,
1: yeah, that's classic nineties. Like, put the CDs in the trunk
0: before CDs even. We had floppy disks, which these were just garbage. Why did we have these? These were <laughs> I, I'm sure there's a good reason why this were the transition point in the nineties that we had them, but they were complete garbage. Like, yeah. and I actually. You know the the funny thing is when I was actually looking this up I googled floppy dick instead oh. of floppy disk Oh no And Google actually this is how obsolete these are Google didn't actually correct me Google oh, just no. gave me a long list of articles about flaccid penises Oh no <laughs> Google didn't even be like oh, it looks like you mean floppy disk but you wrote floppy dick Google's like you know what here's some articles about floppy penises <laughs> And they held 160 kilobytes. And the biggest ones were two megabytes. For those of you who don't know this, 160 kilobytes can't hold shit. (laughs) Cannot hold shit. If you put maybe two paragraphs of text in a Word document, (laughs) two paragraphs of text, that's 160 kilobytes. But back then, you know what's weird? Back then, that was a lot of space to us. Mm-hmm. A lot of space. And now we're like, our phones have 512 gigabytes. <laughs> gigabytes. Yeah. Like, in comparison, it's it's wild. It's wild that we even thought 160 kilobytes was a lot. It's not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember feeling very fancy, like, taking in my school project on a disc. Like a floppy disc. It <laughs> held, like, the singular Word <laughs> document for some, like, <laughs> what I did over my summer essay. Like... <laughs> When I was in graduate school, I was helping my professor move labs, and he had been in that lab, the same lab, for like 20 years. And I found a box of floppy disks, and one of the undergrads was there and legitimately had no idea what they were. No clue. They had never seen them in their life. (laughs) having
0: a crisis. I'm shook. To me, like, am I, I mean, of course they've been a, it's been a while now if you really think about it, but.
1: Just tell them it's the save icon.
0: I don't know why it's still like this. Maybe they just haven't figured out another thing to put instead of the floppy disk for the save icon, but we saved everything computer related, all documents, everything. Those used to be saved on floppy disks.
1: And they had a little, like, if you've seen them but never actually used one, they have a little, like, sliding metal piece that was so easy to break. (laughs) I broke so many floppy disks.
0: The fucking shutter. (laughs) Let me tell you something about the the shutters. The (laughs) shutters were designed to protect the magnetic disks inside the floppy disk from dust and (laughs) fingerprints. But they did the exact opposite. They did the opposite because those shutters were themselves more fragile and as soon as you broke that shutter that was supposed to be a protective cover, the whole thing was useless, your computer couldn't read it.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: would literally need to just throw the whole thing away or you'd have to do some very fine surgery to find another (laughs) floppy disk that had a good shutter to like (laughs) remove it, carefully move it over to the one that was still good and put it over it. Because as soon as that shutter was broken, the whole thing was toast. (laughs) The whole 160 kilobytes, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye to that
1: Word document.
0: So we also had DVDs.
1: DVDs, very similar to CDs in shape, size, and the quality where they were extremely fragile. (laughs) Like if you scratched a DVD, that part of the movie skipped. (laughs) That was just the way it was. I remember being so excited for DVDs because we had VHSs growing up and DVDs were so much smaller and you didn't have to rewind them, which was a whole thing with the VHS. You like plug it in, you're like, let's watch. And no, you have to sit there and rewind it because it was a physical tape. But no, DVDs were fancy. They were small. You got things like you'd get extras on a DVD, like blooper reels, which this Uh, was pre-YouTube. So... That was gold. (laughs) DVDs were so exciting.
0: You just brought up VHSs, which let's just take a minute to talk about VHSs because they were video home systems and they were pretty much cassettes, but they were bigger and they were for video. And they had that magnetic tape reel inside of them. Mm -hmm. Again, if that tape for whatever reason rolled out of that reel, you know what the funny thing is? (laughs) What used to happen is you know, the, the tape would, for whatever reason, fall out of the reel and it'll get tangled. Mm-hmm. So what we used to do when we were kids was, because we couldn't just go buy a new tape, we're too poor. We would do very, very intense surgery. We would have to cut the parts of the tape that were, ta- the, the, the magnetic tape that was tangled. And we'd go find a really thin cellotape and try to tape did you ever do this as no when you're were, we were younger oh i guess you had too much money anyway um <laughs> we would go and find really thin sellotape and tape it forward and backward and roll it back in the reel so we can continue playing and obviously the place where the t- sellotape was the reader wouldn't be able to read it so you'd like that part of the movie would just be gone like whatever part you cut out like it would just be gone. And I remember we used to have some, like, some really, you know, the the movies that we had on VHS that I remember as kids we used to watch over and over and over again. One of them was um, Escape from Sobibor. I don't know if anybody knows about this movie, but we had that as kids and we used to watch that all the time. <laughs> then we had The Sound of Music. By the way, shout out to Julie Andrews and The Sound of Music. If you are alive and you have not yet seen The Sound of Music, we need you to go ahead and see that because there is a lot of range there. <laughs> The other thing I remember from VHS, so we had the VHSs, which were the video home systems, the actual cassette, and we had the players that could play VHSs, and those were called video cassette recorders. Now, I'm sure most people don't have VCRs in their houses anymore. I'm sure most people have done away with them. But what I remember is we used to watch a whole bunch of Bollywood movies on VCRs. Did you do this as kids? Did you do this? No? (laughs) No. wish we every single bollywood movie that came out between maybe 1954 and 1990 we saw every single one i'm not even exaggerating (laughs) i have seen so many bollywood movies in my life
1: oh vhs yeah i'll never forget having like every once in a while just something would get stuck with the tape and you would go to pull the VHS tape out of the VCR and it would just have grabbed on to that magnetic tape and it would—it was like the saddest thing, it was like ripping the guts out of something, you'd pull the VHS tape right. out and all the tape would just
0: be... Many a tape have been destroyed by exactly what you just said.
1: We also did, for those of you who don't know the humble origins of Netflix, Netflix started out as a service <laughs> that did mail delivery of DVDs, where they had a whole online library and this was you know the norm at the time was go to blockbuster and you go and get the the VHS or the DVD of the movie and netflix it was all online and you could pick like send me these three DVDs and when you watched it you sent it back and they sent you another DVD so that was like the height oh, of yeah. convenience was <laughs> netflix's mail DVD service
0: we never had we never had the netflix mail i guess my parents were not going to spend money on that but what we would do is we used to do the blockbuster we'd go to the blockbuster uh, in nigeria it was called something else It wasn't called blockbuster we had like a lot of um video houses so you'd literally go you it's like a library you just rent a whole bunch of v- vhs's you'd go home you watch them and like library there was like a late return fee and at the end <laughs> yep. of every movie they would put a little screen that says be kind please rewind yeah There is a a function on your VCR that you just click rewind and it will take you all the way to the beginning. But a two-hour movie, imagine a tape reel that contains second by second, frame by frame of a two-hour movie. And you had to hit that rewind button on your VCR to wind it all the way back to the beginning of those two hours of the movie. That rewind would be like maybe, I'm not even exaggerating, like a 15-minute job for it to rewind all the way. (laughs) Maybe less. Maybe less? I don't know. But like... (laughs) After you're done watching the movie, you're not sitting there thinking, oh, let me spend another 15 minutes to rewind this. So people would just go return it without rewinding, and they used to get really upset. But you know what we used to do as kids? Like, if we wanted to watch another movie immediately after, we would take the tape out, and we would put, like, a really thick pencil inside one of the sockets of the thing, and just manually roll it. Ah! Did you do this as kids? No! You didn't? (laughs) What? we struggled we struggled but like that's how we used to rewind them you'd poke a pencils through the one of the sockets of the cassette and just manually just continue spinning it back all the way <laughs> until you got to the front
1: yeah so a neat thing with dvds it was similar to almost like a disc man they had portable dvd players that honestly looked like a little mini laptop or it had this tiny screen and you put the dvd in the like where a keyboard would be on a laptop and you could watch them those were so right. fancy we had those for road trips when i was a kid and everyone had their little portable dvd player they were similar to Discman's in that you went over a bump and it skipped and it was probably gonna scratch up your DVD but it was a blast
0: we never had those fancy ones like we never had a portable DVD for the car for the road trips if you were going on a road trip you just get a playlist on a CD and that was the best you were gonna get but yeah
1: we also used to um this seems so ridiculous now I actually just got rid of a lot of these DVDs but my uncle when we were really young for Christmas every year gave us a best buy gift card it was always <laughs> DVDs. went to We went to Best Buy and cleared them out of DVDs. <laughs> I had every season of CSI on DVD, which there are a lot of seasons of CSI, <laughs> and the DVDs did not hold that much. Like, I, I just got rid of these in my last move. I had so many DVDs.
0: <laughs> the cases that were supposed to protect the compact discs and the DVDs, they themselves were also made of really thin polystyrene. Oh, yeah. So they would crack like you would accidentally rest your elbow on one of them <laughs> and the whole thing would crack. The yep. whole thing would crack. So the, the protective case was actually just as fragile. The, the whole thing was just terrible design start to finish. You know what else we had that came about in the early, I guess, mid 90s is GPS navigation. And the only <laughs> thing I can say about this is it was rough. They mm-hmm. barely worked they just they didn't work and by the way for those of you who are too young to remember before the gps even became a thing we would literally this is so unsafe while you were driving you'd have to unfurl a huge thing of a map (laughs) to even see which direction we're going in you'd have to look down at the map drive look down at the map and drive and if you were the kid in the passenger seat while your parent was driving your job was to read that map and let your parent know which (laughs) direction they should be going that was not fun. It was too much pressure.
1: Yeah, the, the early GPS is so... So there was like online versions, like MapQuest, which was a trap. Right, MapQuest was a trap. <laughs> it seemed so... It really so, was a trap. It seemed so <laughs> nice. It was like, oh my God, like I just put in my address. I put in the address where I'm going and it literally gives me turn by turn directions. If you miss one, It's over. If you miss one of those turns, (laughs) too bad. (laughs) You have no more directions. And also, it was just wrong. MapQuest would just take you (laughs) places just completely wrong. You'd follow their directions, everything made sense. It said this street, you went that street, and you would end up somewhere completely different than you told it to go.
0: (laughs) And you would have to, literally, you have to plan it ahead. If especially if you didn't have a printer at home, you would have to put that address in, get to the MapQuest step-by-step directions, hit the print button, print it out, fold it, put it in your bag, and then get in the car to start driving. And as you were driving, you'd have to look down at the quest paper that you printed to see what the next turn was. It was wild, 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 wild.
1: So then they came out with the pretty fancy gps like actual units some cars had them built in again that was like a fancy thing but a lot of times it was just this big device that you would sit on your car dashboard and it would give you right. directions but those were so bad too. yeah it
0: looked like a kleenex box yeah, yeah. they were terrible <laughs> kleenex box. And you know That's the funny the thing size. is it looked like a kleenex box that was just sitting on your dashboard <laughs> the thing is Those also, I remember when they started becoming popular, they would come with the roads and everything mapped as of the time you got the GPS. So if there were new developments that came after you got the GPS, you would need to pay them to update the version that you got. And some of them just didn't have the update function. So if you were driving in a new place that was developed after you got your GPS system, you just would not know where you were going. (laughs) That's one. And two, they also had such terrible battery lives. So you would need to just leave them hooked into your 12-volt socket in your car the entire time you drove. The entire time. Yeah, those those were, oh, God, I'm so glad we moved (laughs) past that. Like, my mom still likes those, by the way. She still likes them because she doesn't like, like, using her phone for stuff. But I I hate those. Um,
1: I still have one in my glove box. I don't know what scenario I imagine that I'll pull that out and use it it'll be dead it won't have anything updated but I still have it in there oh god and because they were so big they'd like slide off your dashboard too like there was no way to secure them well they would just like slide into your face as you were driving
0: they also had the one Mm -hmm. with the suction cups that would attach to your windshield the inside Mm -hmm. of your windshield but the problem is if you were driving in really s- hot weather, for example, if you lived in Los Angeles, the sun <laughs> would bake through your windshield and pretty much undo that suction.
1: I have vivid memories of how they said the word recalculating, like if you missed a turn, it would just go like recalculating and they'd be missing whole roads. <laughs> yes! So you'd be driving and the screen just has nothing. It like assumes you're just in a field and it would just like sit there for a few seconds and go recalculating, make a U-turn when possible. (laughs) It's like, where are you going?
0: Do you remember having personal digital assistants, the PDAs or slash organizers, we call them?
1: I don't remember ever having one. I feel like I had a very... Like, if I saw someone with one, it was like, that's like a business person with their PDA, with the little (laughs) stylus. Like, I always thought of that as a very fancy thing.
0: I think, okay, so my dad, I think, has always been into gadgets. He's, I think, Mm. the gadget king of all gadgets. So when we were growing Mm. up, he got us those personal digital assistants. And I used to feel so cool using it. I I had nothing to use it for clearly, except like for me you put like you know stuff in a calendar or the the useful thing that I used them for is they used to come with a dictionary preloaded in them. Mm. So what I would do is I'd keep the pda next to me if i were reading like a book and if i came across a word that i didn't know it was so easy for me to just look it up on the pda it's like a real dictionary you'd have to keep scrolling until you find the world the word that you wanted it's not like you just type the word and it would just automatically be definition. you would have to start typing the word and then you'd have to yeah. like pick the one yeah
1: yep so much of this 90s technology like looking back it's objectively bad, but at the time it was so exciting. Like <laughs> it was exactly. genuine, genuinely revolutionary.
0: The next thing that I did not have is a Game Boy.
1: <laughs> I didn't have one either. No, I didn't have one. People were always going around with the Game Boys. I never had a Game Boy. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think that the Game Boy came like way before the Nintendo DS. And I think the actually, the original Game Boy I think came out in the eighties. And I think the Game Boy Color is what came out in the nineties and I remember I always wanted one, but my parents just did not believe in getting children video games, like period. So if they got you a toy or anything, they would make sure that it had a very specific educational purpose. So my mom, when I was young, she got me a speak and spell. Did you ever get a speak and spell?
1: I had a speak and spell. Yeah.
0: I thought the speak and spell was the coolest thing as a child because the speak and spell would literally, it was like a mini- portable spelling bee it would say a word to you and it would prompt you to actually spell it and if you got it right it'll like congratulations you got it right it would like give you like encouragement or whatever and i used to find it so cool i was like let me see how many words i can get right the <laughs> motorola star this was revolutionary because it was the first time the very first time we had a clamshell flip phone because we had flip phones before this but they were the reverse flip phones where the actual phone looked like a brick, but the number pad was just covered by a flap, and you would mm-hmm. pull the flap down to reveal the microphone and the numbers. That was technically a flip phone, but it wasn't the clamshell flip phone where the screen is completely on one side and the number pad was on the other side. And I remember the Startag. That was <laughs> a cl- I didn't have one personally, but like I knew like my aunts and uncles who had the Startag, and I was like, "This is so cool.
1: <laughs> I know the StarTac because I one of my neighbors got it, <laughs> and because they got it, I got my first phone, which was the predecessors to that, which looked like a home phone handset. <laughs> they just were like a big.
0: You had brick. one of those.
1: Yeah, with the antenna you pull up. Yeah,
0: that was <laughs> like personally. You had one, not for the household. You had one for me.
1: Yeah, that was my cell phone. <laughs> that was my first cell phone.
0: You were rich as fuck.
1: Oh, I got it as a hand-me-down. That was a hand-me-down. No, no. <laughs> I got that really? well after it came out. By the way, I'm saying I got that phone. I did not get that phone in the 90s. That was a 90s phone that I got in the 2000s. <laughs>
0: Oh! Makes sense. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Oh my god.
1: All those 90s phones though the antennas killed me. You had to pull the little antenna out of it and they were so flimsy. Yes.
0: This is not like a 90s thing. I think in the very early 2000s we had the indestructible Nokia 3310. You know what I was going to do the other day? I was going to go and try to see if I can buy it just so I can have it because that is an iconic piece of technology. That phone did not have the antennas you had to pull out. It was all embedded into the phone. The phone was made like a solid brick. (laughs) You can drop that phone 200 stories. It wouldn't break. Yes. And it had games on it, too. It had, like, Snake. And you could actually go in and compose your own ringtone on that phone. Do you remember this?
1: No, I had forgotten. I remember this now that you say it. I never had it, but...
0: You could compose your ringtone. And people were like, this this is such a skill. Like, they would listen to a song in pop culture, know the notes that went in there, Mm -hmm. and go into their phone and compose it. So their ringtone would sound like... Because you couldn't just go download the song and make it your ringtone. Like, the phone wasn't uh, capable of doing that. You'd have to compose it with the right notes to get the same sound. Like, the rest and everything in between.
1: But it didn't even sound good. It would just be the, like, beep, 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 beep. beep. (laughs) Like, it just sounded...
0: Yeah, the chirpy sound. (laughs) It
1: It was still so impressive. You knew somebody composed that. But it wasn't like it sounded good.
0: Yes. And I don't think you could transfer them from phone to phone. So the like if, if you found somebody who composed it, it's not the case where they could just send it to you by Bluetooth because we didn't have Bluetooth. We did not have Bluetooth back then. No. Or you know what came before Bluetooth that people don't remember? We had infrared before Bluetooth where you'd have to take your phone and touch it against another person's phone at the very same exact infrared spot to transfer. Do
1: you remember this? No. <laughs> That's crazy.
0: The fucking Tamagotchis. Am I saying that right?
1: Tamagotchis? Tamagotchis.
0: These, I I just know of them. I never had a Tamagotchi.
1: No? Oh, I loved the Tamagotchi. I did That just like appealed to something within me to like take care of the little Tamagotchi. I mean, it was so simple. It was just like a little device and you just had to do extremely basic things to keep it alive. But i loved it my husband apparently i was preparing for this episode and mentioned (laughs) tamagotchis he's like i could never keep one alive they just died every time (laughs) i "I hope this doesn't say something about your caregiving abilities
0: i think i'd be terrible at that too because it's like you you first of all you'd have to carry the tamagotchi everywhere in case like you i I didn't have Mm -hmm. one but i'm just imagining like for you to tend to it so often You'd have it to have it on your person just to remember to do things. And oh, yeah. if you left Tamagotchi and you went to school and you didn't take it with you to school, it came back like yeah, it would be the end.
1: It'd, it'd die. F- oh god. It would so literally odd. die. <laughs> yeah. No, they were on they came on little keychains because yes, you did have to take it places and take care of it like consistently, or it would die. <laughs> it was so- Speaking
0: of things that came on keychains, we're gonna talk about hit clips. Which I didn't have. No. <laughs> these, I think, they faded away before I even moved to the US. They they were gone. And where I'm from, we just didn't have hit clips. But I don't even... How, how would you explain a hit clip? It was so stupid, the concept.
1: Yeah, this was pure 90s fuckery. Just this was a useless invention that did not last very long. If I'm remembering correctly, it was like you had, you had a little hit clips player. And the hit clips uh-huh. song things were like these little cassettes sort of they were they were a lot smaller than that but they were these little squares that you just stuck into the hit clips player and they played like part of a song
0: (laughs) yeah they could only they could only play like 60 seconds or less yeah
1: they played a clip of a hit song (laughs) it was so terrible (sighs) and so annoying but i remember seeing them i didn't have one i think my neighbor had one but i remember like standing in line at the grocery store it was one of those things they'd have when you're standing in line like all the little hit clips and you could buy hit clips because you had to buy an individual one to get 60 seconds of a song <laughs> it was a scam
0: but that, at that point we already had cassettes that can hold much longer and we had cassette pl- the hit clips didn't make any sense i don't know why we had again 90s we we had creative freedom People mm-hmm. would just created dumb shit just because they had the idea. They didn't even stop saying, just because you can do it does not mean you should actually go through with it because it's not useful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hit clips popped up in that small space of time between, like, you could listen to, like, a CD or a cassette tape and it had everything on it, but it was the player was big, like, the, the tape was big, and then. There was that, and then not too long later, we finally got MP3 players, where it was a really small device and it didn't hold a lot of music, but it was a very small device. And hit clips happened right in the middle where you could have that tiny cassette with a song on it, but it wasn't, but it was just the one song. So that was just like a very specific short market niche that Hit Clips jumped into.
0: So we also had Easy Bake Ovens, which I didn't have. I like, I only know about them because they're like in the popular culture zeitgeist, but I did not have an Easy Bake Oven, no.
1: Oh my God, I love an Easy Bake Oven. No, they were terrible. <laughs> I loved it. It was literally like a 60 watt light bulb. It, it's not meant to cook things. <laughs> but you did it anyway. It was bulb. so terrible. It was so terrible. It was like it just made stupid, useless, not good cake slash cookies. <laughs> but it was, so, it was something so satisfying about an Easy Bake Oven. <laughs> you just felt like you were making something yourself. Yeah, it was like a. It was literally just a box that had like a fairly hot light bulb in it. And you had a little flap and like these tiny, tiny little pans that you would put like cake batter cookie dough in. And then you had a little like handle to put. You'd put the little pan on the handle and like slide it in and it would cook under the light bulb. <laughs> but it was like you would always like uh. lose the pans in the oven or it like you never knew when they were cooked. And it didn't really. It just made like a rubber puck (laughs) if you haven't so I mean if you know Easy Bake Ovens or you don't know Easy Bake Ovens I recommend that you go and watch the video of Trixie Mattel the drag queen making Girl Scout cookies (laughs) in an Easy Bake Oven
0: in an Easy Bake Oven (laughs)
1: pause the podcast go watch that video it's gold
0: text messaging came alive in the 90s
1: yep i remember when i got my first cell phone which might have been later than the 90s i forget but when i got it i was the phone had the capability to text but i was not allowed to text because texts cost money per text it was like 10 cents or 25 cents per text message so I would get in trouble if I sent text messages. And then texting, like you you could text, but it was all on a number pad. It wasn't a keyboard with all of the letters. It was the numbers like one through nine, zero, and they each had a set of letters and you would have to press it multiple times to get certain letters. Letter you wanted. <laughs> yeah. Like seven was P, Q, R, and S. So you'd press it once for a P, twice for a Q, three times for an R, or four times for the letter S. So to get the letter S, you had to press the same button four times.
0: You had to work for that S, and the S didn't come easy. There was also something called T9 predictive text, and that shit was a nuisance, because you would start (laughs) typing something, it would just automatically give you the word, and that's not the word that you wanted. So you'd have to delete it and start all over again. And you have to understand, it's not like today where you can just swipe left and the word will go away. You have yeah. to delete every single letter for it to go. And then if you wanted that word back, you'd have to press <laughs> each button. For, like, If you wanted to say Sam, you'd have to press the 7 four times. You'd have to press the 2 one time. And you'd have to press like the 6 one time or whatever. And it was just so much work. So the mm-hmm. T9 predictive text was just frustrating. It didn't yeah. help anybody.
1: It was so bad. It was like autocorrect, but worse at predicting and so much more aggressive.
0: Yeah, it was, it would quickly just spit something out and it wasn't even like, and some phones didn't even give you the capability to turn off T9. It was, it it was work. Um, So we had digital cameras and disposable cameras, and these were fun. These were actually fun.
1: I remember I'd go on a field trip and that was something like my mom would buy me a disposable camera to go on the field trip and I could like take pictures of the field trip. I actually remember my mom got really irritated at me one time because I took a disposable camera on a field trip to a farm and I just took pictures of really random things. She thought I was going to take pictures with my friends. I didn't have friends. She was like hoping for like cute pictures of her daughter with her friends, but I was just like this is a bale of hay This is a tree. This is a leaf. This is a and so she like you don't know until you go and get it developed So you like bring it to the drugstore and get it back and look through the photos Like this is the most useless
0: photos. The reason why that will probably be annoying is if, for those of you who have never had a non-digital camera A lot of the old analog cameras required film. You'd have to put a reel of film in the camera for you to take photos. Otherwise, you'd just be taking blanks. Nothing would be a thing. Mm-hmm. So when you got that reel back, they were, the reel was called negatives. So you take the negatives to get them developed. Now, when you go get them developed, you'd have to, if you can't do it yourself at home, you'd have to pay a professional and it like, it was a really complex procedure. You'd have to get silver nitrate, which is like a chemical that's not readily available. You'd have to get like a dark room, which has no light. So you can get red light in the dark room, but you couldn't get any other type of light in there. So you'd have to go get it developed and you'd go to the drugstore to pay somebody to develop it. And can you imagine if you paid all this money to develop all this negatives and what you get back Is just your daughter taking a photo of a bale of hay? I'd lose my shit too.
1: Yeah, the disposable cameras were a big thing then. And this was, I remember them being more ubiquitous in the 2000s, but the 90s were when we first really started to get digital cameras that were more common. And those right. were a blast, and they held like twenty photos.
0: I, I mean, I think it was a it was a nice step in the direction that we are today. So at least it was like a stepping stone. It wasn't a complete dumb waste like everything else in the nineties, but they didn't hold much at all. Mm-hmm. So this is back to the video games, right? We also had a lot of the cool consoles. They st- like the video gaming as we know it today began in the nineties.
1: Yeah, these were a blast. I remember I wasn't super into them. I think we had a PlayStation. And I'm not into video games, I wasn't really then, and I'm definitely not now, but the video games then were simple enough that I could still enjoy them, even though I was bad, because it was just, you know, it was, it couldn't be that complicated, given the technology then, you just, like, mashed a lot of buttons, (laughs) but, and the graphics were so bad, like, they seemed so impressive at the time, because they were, like, very first playing with, like, 3D graphics, (laughs) they looked like trash but it was so fun oh my god yeah i remember playing like mario kart and super mario were big ones um crash bandicoot i don't know if that was a big one for some reason our household loved crash bandicoot
0: it was good it was um, it was a big one crash bandicoot i didn't have one and i know what crash bandicoot is that was great yeah.
1: um there was a james bond one in the 90s a james bond goldeneye video game
0: you know what's funny about that That James Bond Goldeneye, remember that meme we keep talking about where Shirley Bassey talks about Tina Turner saying she doesn't have the range? Mm -hmm. That was the soundtrack Tina Turner did that made Shirley Bassey say that was the soundtrack to Goldeneye that came out, I think, in 95. Mm -hmm. And of course, they made a video game to go with it. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, I I remember these. The only thing I love, I remember vividly is whoever crafted the Super Mario soundtrack as you played along, that shit was so catchy do 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 and da na we you and i they they had very very specific clips if you were about to die you knew what clip was about to play and those games were actually i tried to like those ones were actually difficult. You couldn't just mash Four. buttons with Super Mario. You'd yeah. actually have to know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. What we could mash buttons with were fighting games, which is what I liked. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were playing a Street Fighter, or even later, Tekken came, I think, a little later. The Street Fighter with the Chun-Li and the Guile, you would literally grab the... By the way, for those of you who didn't grow up in the 90s, the PlayStation controllers we had back then were wired. There'd literally be a wire that would connect your actual controller to the console. And what people would do is, if you were beating them in the game, they would go to the the console and yank your um, (laughs) controller out of the... Just to make sure you weren't beating them anymore. But anyway, we would just grab the buttons and start mashing them. Hoping (laughs) like any one combination would get you to win. Yeah, that's how we used to play them back then. Do you also remember the Doom video game?
1: No. I
0: don't remember that one. Doom was like I don't even know. It was like a scary. Zo- I need to pee first of all. Dad, I really need to pee. But it was like <laughs> a a zombie game, and you had to go around killing zombies. And Just it- kidding. I can't hold it. I have to go pee.
1: That's fine. <laughs> I'll <laughs> be go right pee back. Too while you are can't too. hold it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of the greatest things in human history ever came out in the actually. It started being developed in the 80s, but actually came out in 1990. And everybody were talking about the fucking internet. By the way, I've always known this. Like, the internet should never be used as a tool to bully others. So if you feel like you're being bullied, log off, you little bitch. <laughs> no, I was kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I stole that from, I think I've told this joke on the podcast before. It's yeah. from La La Milan. She's great. But what I was going to say is the internet actually started as like, a web for universities to communicate with each other and send published works like academic documents. And it ex- like only colleges had the internet and then it just expanded and expanded and it was launched I think in 1990. and you know what I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is the best thing in human invention period period. Not the wheel, not the combustion engine. This is the best thing ever.
1: I think <laughs> I think you could defend that. Yeah, it literally changed everything. Like the internet has completely changed every facet of people's lives. And it was in such a like cute 90s. Like the early internet in the 90s was so hilarious and seemed so useless. But it was a precursor to so many big things
0: and the, uh, but the internet didn't have the kind of impact it has today so i think we may be one of the we may be part of the very last people to know what life was like before the internet was just seeped into every facet of human life yeah but the, the internet was great it really it set off a whole bunch of stuff like amazon ebay the stuff that we have today mm-hmm. that we don't even think about like they came about because the internet was a place for them to be and the initial World Wide Web websites, those were so lousy. They were so bad. But we needed to start somewhere, and I'm so glad. But now, like, the Internet is so great because all sorts of information can be found online. And it was great, which leads us to a great segue, Google. You know, the funny thing is Google was not the first of its kind. If I remember correctly, I think Alta Vista came before Google. If I'm wrong, somebody who's tech savvy is going to correct me into it, I'm sure. But Google wasn't the first of the kind. It was AltaVista first. And I think Google just happened. I don't know how AltaVista lost Steam. But Google picked up that Steam that AltaVista lost and they really mm-hmm. went with it.
1: Yeah. There so, were a yeah. bunch of search engines before Google. I remember always using Ask Jeeves. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Yeah. I think Google took over because I don't know who developed the original algorithms for Google, but it was just so much better. The original search engines, it was just right. like, it just, it didn't even matter. You'd type something in and it would just give you random shit. It had nothing to do with what you searched for.
0: did do with anything. <laughs> right.
1: Oh my God. But Google would find things, like the most random things, because it's not like the internet now where you Google something and the exact thing pops up and there's 10 other pages that say the exact same thing like web pages with information where just like some random person wrote this web page and the background is lime green and there's like a little animation of something on the side and it's like the history of such and such that you need for a report it's <laughs> the end was so but google would find it google would always find it
0: yeah i think maybe that's why they won they they had a better algorithm to find things yeah shout out to google honestly nobody thought like something so seemingly dull like a search engine could become the behemoth of a company that google has become like they turned a search engine to one of the most powerful companies in the world
1: oh and a fitting to the episode on 90s technology was y2k do you remember people freaking out about Y2K?
0: Oh, my God. I was, <laughs> first of all, I was a kid and I was thinking to myself, it's not fair for white y- because everybody, the whole thought was Y2K was going to be the end of the world. And I was like, I'm too young. You all have had a chance to live your lives. I refuse <laughs> to die just because we're going to turn 2000 in the millennia.
1: Yeah, for those of you who weren't involved in this hot topic, what people thought would happen was... All of the dates in computers, because you had limited space back then, dates were just the last two digits of the year, so they wouldn't bother to say, you know, 1990, it just said 90. Well, then 2000 was coming along, and everyone was freaked out that the computers were going to think, oh, the year is 99, now the year is zero. (laughs) And the predictions were like, banks are going to shut down, the stock market will crash, nuclear power plants will blow up, planes will fall out of the sky... Like people thought when the year turned that everything was gonna just be destroyed, and it was the most anticlimactic thing. Nothing, like nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened, which of course nothing happened. But, but oh I
0: remember, God. like this, there was this, there was this feeling of after it turned and nothing happened. There was this feeling of, wow, what do we do now? It's like yeah. <laughs> a whole new millennia has started. Like this is too. Thousand, what happens now? And there was just kind of ephemeral hope that everybody, everything was like, oh, after here, it's just now we're kind of like playing on free time now. So hey, yeah, two thousand, yeah, <laughs> that that feeling. I I don't I don't know when next like that feeling will come around in human history, but that was like a fun time to be alive.
1: It really was, yeah.
0: So. That concludes our episode on 90s technology.
1: Thanks, everybody, for joining us. You can find us, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BigEmptyPurse. Tweet us, message us, TikTok us, is that the verb? I don't know, but talk to us about your memories about 90s technology, useless gadgets, and tell us what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future.
0: On next week's episode, we'll be discussing memes. (laughs)
1: because
0: I can't (laughs) it's It's gonna gonna be be May
1: May. (laughs) 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 oh my god I hate us so much
0: until next time peace